Hello, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. I'm very excited about this uh, podcast that you're about to listen to. I'm interviewing my friend, uh, new friend actually, Sabrina Mati. And uh, I I have to admit to you guys before I even start this that I, I was really at a loss what to call these because they're just so good and Sabrina's story is so amazing. And I think you guys are gonna really appreciate her journey uh, just than it is, and it's advanced so much since when we recorded this interview. I really hope that everybody reaches out to her uh, after having listened to this podcast. But upon reflection, I feel like the best thing to call or correlate this podcast series to is like the journey of a phoenix. So this is part one of a three-part series with Sabrina Mati. Part one is called The Dying. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Diary listeners, I'm here today with Sabrina Mazzi. She is a 10-year uh, animator and, and kind of phasing out of that right now to pursue more personal passions. Uh, she also has a bachelor's degree in, in media and animation, uh, or I'm sorry, media arts and animation, forgive me. And um, right now, she, we actually met online on a Facebook forum I saw something that she had posted. She's she's teaching herself tattooing. Um, and when I say I was blown away, it, like I, I can't even like blown away doesn't even describe it. I was just like, whoa, this person is already better than me in so many ways. No, I mean, I'm not even uh, like that. You You say that when... When you said I'm can't I can't I'm excited to meet a seasoned artist. I was like, you're a seasoned yeah. artist, girl. Are you crazy? So <laughs> your work is amazing. <laughs> well, I've had a lot longer to make it amazing. <laughs> so don't knock yourself down. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm not. But like I I'm literally um, blown away by you and and super honored to be here to talk with you about this journey because. Um, already it's rare in, in its progress because you've started at such a, such a high level of like what most artists go for and are leaving that for something else, which we're going to dive into. But, you know, you've gone through that, the, the collegiate level of art, you know, you've pursued it, you just turned 30. And I just found out that you're starting your first apprenticeship this upcoming t- tomorrow, Monday. Um, so that's exciting. So we got a lot, we got a lot <laughs> Hello. Thank you for being here. It's an honor. Dude, totally. Yeah, we we went back and forth. And so I'm 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 curious, I guess, about like you like you're you're going into the art field. Like why what brought you to it or like what brought you to art, I guess, in general, because that's that's kind of like uh uh 
it's the seed of everything I think yes. and what moves us. So yes. Um, uh, talk about it. <laughs> so funny uh I, I feel like I'm like experimenting uh experimenting I feel like I'm experiencing uh my other podcast but I'm on the other end because we asked this exact same question we like Yay. well we asked like what's your favorite like what's your earliest uh animation memory like oh. as a child so I guess it like starts there for me where uh when I was little I was so obsessed with cartoons um mainly it was a lot of uh, Japanese type of cartoons, like uh, the Pokemon, the Digimon, the Sailor Moon, uh, and then even uh, some Ghibli movies that I was like, I don't know, I feel like I was really, really young and I vaguely remember watching those movies, but I didn't re remember them until like I got to a certain age and I rewatched them and I was like, wait, I think I've seen this as a child. Yeah. Because uh, I was born in the 90s, so... Um, I think I just loved the characters so much and I like uh I had my reality and my world so heavily invested in cartoons to the point where I fell in love with the characters to a weird extent like sometimes I believed that they were actually real like even video games too I was a big gamer when I was a kid oh, my cool parents they got me on super nintendo uh really young like when i was like four or five years old my dad was like let's play mario together and then like street fighters and stuff and i was like okay and um i even got to like a point where uh like do you remember those gaming booklets that they yeah. like came like like a very basic manual of how to play the game I have nightmares, Sabrina. I really do because I had a, a kid that I used to babysit that was really into Pokemon and he used to <laughs> have me read those books, the stats <gasps> of each character and what they morphed into. And I was like, you really want me to, this is a strategy guide. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is, can we just go watch a movie? Yeah. Like I, I was, I was in a different generation of Pokemon where it was, like, I was like, what are these kids doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I would go I to my remember. mom and I'd be like, because there would be like a, a section in the back of those booklets because we were blockbuster times. Mm -hmm. So uh, like whenever we would rent things, they would have the little booklets inside. And then uh, even when you bought the games yourself. And I remember I had like a Mega Man one once and there uh, it had notes in the back mm -hmm. and I told my mom like I wanted to write a letter to one of the characters uh Zero from Mega Man and she's like fine go ahead and write it maybe he'll see it someday and I was like okay so she entertained those ideas a lot oh, that's cool uh and I, was, I did the same thing with my uh my little plushies and everything I was always an imaginative kid and then even I remember in kindergarten um while all the girls wanted to play like Spice Girls and stuff like role you know how like kids role yeah. play Mm -hmm. I'll be like, I'm this, near this. Like, we did that a lot. And yeah. while the girls wanted to do that, I was always hanging out with the boys going, let's play Zelda, you know, yeah. like, I'll be, I'll be Link, you know, it was like <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. And um, I, that's where my mind was always at. And then drawing the characters made me feel closer to them. It was really weird. So when I could uh, like draw Zero or draw my favorite Pokemon or something, I felt like, I had them or like I created them into my own reality or something. It was really weird. No, I, that makes sense. That makes complete sense with anybody that I know that does um, new school, for example, they, they talk very similarly about this. They're like, you know, basically I'm a child that never grew up. Like I, I love 
digging into these characters and playing with them and spending time with them and, you know, kind of, you know, cultivating this, this world that I want to be in all the Uh time. And that's kind of what they talk about. It's not something I greatly admire, um, which is something that like when it came to animation for me, I, I didn't have a connection for because I, I want like a one-time feat of art and then moving on, you know, like, like I didn't, I, I would obsess about it for as long as till I was like, okay, you're done. And then walk away, like kind of deal. Like that was always my thing. And I believe the connection that I had to art really was that it was something I could do that made me, made me shine. Um, Were you the artist, artistic kid amongst to your peers uh throughout all of your childhood yeah yeah mm-hmm. it was the one thing that you're like okay like you know this person's popular this person's really good at sports and everything I'm the artist like yeah. people and it felt really like good that like whether um you had art projects in class and people are like oh I want this person on my on my in my group because they're yeah. good at drawing you know yeah. um or uh it just felt really good to like have people go up to you and be like can you draw this for me I mean it felt good to an extent at some point I started getting sick of that yeah. <laughs> well, at a very young age <laughs> that's the thing right like with commercial art and stuff like that like if you're not if you're not putting yourself into the character and you're not the source of that or the passion doesn't come from that source. It's really hard to like do that for someone else. Like I, I find that um, where I connect was always um, I love symbolism and that's what I liked about stories was I love the metaphor and the message of each story. So I love like hacking um, the symbolic connection to things and what those things could represent in a painting or in a, in a moment of art and looking at something. Like I liked something that just kind of gave you a hit of an emotion and, and really stood for something. I really loved all that cryptic stuff. So that's yeah, kind of what I, yeah. Like you look at an apple and you're like, oh, the, or, oh, a good example actually that I've been seeing in a lot of like anime recently, uh, and I know it's in a lot of like stories is like the symbol of the owl yeah. when it comes to like, um, like cults or like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, elites and conspiracies yeah. and all that. Like all I keep seeing that, uh, hearing that and I'm like, aliens. Oh, so cool. it, it, yeah. aliens is another one. Like there's, yeah. Owls are big. Um, and in the tattoo world, I mean, in any world, um, Portlandia put a bird on it. Everything's better with a bird on it. So you're, you're good. Um, <laughs> I actually said that today when I saw an owl tattoo. I was like, it's awesome. Everything's better with a bird on it. You know, like, put a bird yeah, on it. I have birds on my shoulders. So that's hilarious. <laughs> I've, they're beautiful too. Gorgeous tattoos. Uh, this um, is uh, Natalie Hall. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Really good. Beautiful, she, beautiful. Uh, she also, I think, dabbled uh, in animation a little bit. That's awesome. That's really, yeah. really cool. I, um, so how did that look? Did you like, cause since I didn't pursue animation, um, what, what were the steps that you went through in order to pursue that? I mean, you have your earliest, but what did that look like, you know, morphing it into this career path? Yeah. So mine was very unique and very like, uh, fluid because I, my mom didn't really have any idea. Cause my mom knew from when I was like very young that she Cause she kept hearing a lot of good things from teachers about my art skills. So she kind of like 
encouraged me like saying, Hey, you can work in cartoons someday if you want, you know, yeah. like we keep up with this. So that was kind of my thought in the back of my mind since I was like super, I think probably since I was five, six years old that I was going to do cartoons as a living. Right. Um, we didn't ever have any idea of how that was going to, you know, come to fruition or how to get connections because it's kind of like the whole acting realm you don't know how to get into it you know and then you right. are you're also told like only specific people get into it or they're inherited into it because their mom or whatever or dad was in theater or whatever mm-hmm. so it wasn't until um around high school uh I could have gone to a like an actual high school that readies you for uh the art world like my mom told me that there was a special high school out here called Loxa. Um, and what was it called? Uh, Los Angeles, uh, I forgot what what it stands for. Something Los Los Angeles school, uh, high school of the arts or something like that. Okay. Oh, I think that's what it's called. Los Angeles high school of the arts. Yeah. And, uh, I did hear that a lot of, um, students from that high school eventually like went into the bigger colleges. Like they, they basically give you a portfolio to apply to the bigger colleges I didn't do any of that. I went to uh, just, I didn't care about the whole exception process of what high school I was going to get into. My sister was already going to a a high school in Van Nuys because we were magnet kids. We didn't do residential schools. Right. So um, I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to go to the same school that she is because I don't have to like work hard to get accepted there. Uh, And they had a magnet program there. And uh, I went to the performing arts magnet program. Awesome. So, because they had a, they had a medical program, uh, the performing arts, and I think they just had like a math and science program or something. Right. Uh, so I just went for the performing arts because I was like, I kind of was like, a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. And then high school was easier for me compared to middle school because middle school, I got accepted into like a highly gifted magnet program. So we were learning like high school level stuff already and then going into high school it was like a step down I was like why am I learning this all over again it makes no sense yeah Uh, I graduated early from high school a year early I skipped my senior year uh with a an exam that we have out here it's called the California high school proficiency exam okay it's 98 percent equivalent to a high school diploma nice yeah so the only thing I couldn't do was uh I couldn't go to school out of state and I think they were also saying like, you need to take your SATs to get into the big universities. And I was like, I don't need to go into a university because like, I'm going to be an artist. So why right. does all of this matter to me? You know? Right. And I, I told my mom, I was like, I want to start college already. If this is like what my senior year is going to be. So she was like, all right, go for it. So I did. And then I went straight to a community college because that was the route my sister took. Right. And one weekend I went to my mom and I was like, I want out of this community college. This is stupid because they, I went to them and I told them what I wanted to do with my life. And they're like, yeah, you can't take any art classes until you take all of these classes first. You have to take statistics. You have to take this class and this, well, that was statistics was like the first one. That's all I can remember. But I was like, what am I going to do with this in my life? Like, right. why can't I draw? Why are you guys all keeping me away from what I'm going to be doing in my life? This mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense to me. So yep. to my mom, I was like, I want to go to an art college. Like I want to go to a place where they're not going to shove like these, this academia down my throat and they're going to teach me what I need to know for my field. Right. So 
my uh, naive self went on Google <laughs> and I searched, don't ever do this. <laughs> talk to people, talk to artists and well-known uh, like art schools in your area. Um, but I went on Google and I searched like art college, you know, mm-hmm. for animation. And of course the number one uh, schools that were advertised uh, on the, on Google was the art Institute. I'm sure you've heard of the art Institute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they all shut down already, but <laughs> they were the, they were the, um, uh, for-profit school or something like that. So it was like a trade school almost, uh, they did give degrees. Um, but I saw that one and then I was like, Hey, like, why don't we go and check this out? Cause we had a location opening up in, uh, North Hollywood. It was a new location oh, right on. and my mom was like, let's go try it. And, uh, it was their animation program was fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I didn't go to CalArts was cause I thought I was not good enough right. cause you had to like submit a portfolio and everything. And I was like, I don't have any of that. I don't even know what that means or how to get it together. Right. And my mom didn't know this realm either. So she was just right. kind of like going with what, or I was going. Mm-hmm. So we interviewed, we got like interviewed at the art Institute and their marketing people are very good at what they do. <laughs> They're they're very good at manipulation. Oh yeah, because they make you feel like you know you're amazing when you're probably not. (laughs) Because they they pretend that they look at a portfolio. Like I had some work that I've drawn before, and I just put them all together, Mm -hmm. and I showed them, and they pretend like they're like, oh, it's necessary to see it to see if you're good enough. But they don't. They like they just fluff you up, and then they push you know the program on you, and it's a hundred thousand dollar school tuition wow um so and but it was for i think if you took five classes at a time or five to four classes at a time um you could graduate uh in three years oh, right on. so i don't know i was like all about speed i just wanted to get things done because when yeah. you're oh my god school is like never ending and yes. i was tired of school i was tired of like being around peers that were like all at an equal level and all of us like have these egos and social cliques and everything. And we're like, we just want to work. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I never had a, like an actual job in my life. Uh, my parents were just like, focus on your studies mm-hmm. and then get your career. You know, they just wanted me to focus because they saw that when people went to like they had a job on the side of school, they saw their school would lack and, uh, you yeah. know, their grades would would suffer. Mm-hmm. So I went through my college uh, really quickly. I learned very quickly, too, that that college was also a lot of full of crap. But I did learn a lot of stuff there. Like there were a few gem teachers there. Yeah. that were in animation that managed to get a job to teach students there. And, uh, I think I, at some point I saw, um, a lot of students like getting internships, not a lot, actually like one or like a few, and they were getting internships at big studios that I wanted to work for like Cartoon Network. That yeah. was like my number one studio that I've wanted to work for. Cause it was just like, it was just my favorite, uh, yeah. channel <laughs> yeah. Yeah. compared to all the like Disney, Nickelodeon and all that Cartoon Network was my favorite. Yep. So when I saw other kids landing, um, like a few kids landing internships, I was like, why can't I do that? So yeah. I managed to, uh, it's kind of, it was kind of like a luck of a draw kind of thing. Um, 
uh, I put on my resume, like everything that we learned in college. Cause this is like around the senior part of college. So I put everything that I like all my skills, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, all the group projects kind of counted towards the resume as well, because it's experience. Like you learn yes. how to work with a crew, like, you know, and then whatever clubs that we had at school and I got selected uh, at Cartoon Network for an internship uh, and it just so happened to be on Adventure Time. Wow. And it was really popular at the time. I was like, yeah. what are the odds that out of all the shows at Cartoon Network that were going on, like they, I landed one on Adventure Time. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. So I, that's how I basically got my foot in the door. Like, and I was, I was already a workaholic. I'm like that person that like in the beginning I aimed to please. And I'm like, um, I used my, like, I was a straight A student growing up. So that kind of helped me, um, impress people in the workplace. Mm -hmm. I'm very like straight edge person too. So all of my like time growing up, I didn't party a lot. Um, I, I didn't drink. I didn't, uh, I'm not a smoker or anything. I know, uh, I don't smoke marijuana or anything like not that it's bad. I'm just one of those people. That I just don't do anything. Yeah, I'll yeah. drink like on special yeah. occasions, but I just always was like away from the big popular crowds and the clicks. And yeah. I was always off on my own. So, uh, I did really well on my internship and I did like above and beyond. I like gave them a lot of free work too, because I was like, I want to eventually get a job here. And they're yeah. like, all right. They saw like my dedication and my persistence. And then, I eventually got into the production side of animation. So, which was nice because I'm very technical. My, my brain is more technical than creative, right. which is interesting. You'd think that it'd be like the other way around, but it's like, I have a mashup. It's weird. Like yeah. a blank canvas sometimes intimidates me. Like yeah. I have to have a lot of inspiration first to finally think of what, and it's always like a formula. Like I have to have like a very specific like composition or like a story or like some kind of formula instead of just drawing something and like splashing it on the page. So, uh, that's, that was my foot in the door and it was very, um, it wasn't exact. Like I had to like, uh, I guess learn along the way, uh, and see what opportunities came up to figure out what was right for me. The college did help that part, that aspect. Um, and we did like get to, you know, network and the networking did help to my advantage for my first, uh, job in animation because uh, they were friends with one of my teachers. Oh, right on. So there was like that kind of thing that helped, but in our realm, it's so fluid. There's no specific way of getting in. Mm -hmm. We've interviewed on my podcast, my, um, uh, my other podcast called, uh, uh, animation success stories. We've interviewed so many people. Yeah. It's very interesting because we just like, we've interviewed like people who had no college background and Mm -hmm. got in. And then we've interviewed people who had the typical college background and got in. And we just like, what I, what I like to pay attention to nowadays as an adult is where their, um, mindset is at, uh, because I noticed like the mindset is where a lot of people succeed and everything. Whereas there were a lot of people that like, they had families that either didn't support their craft or they struggled more. So they struggled more getting into whatever line of field that they were trying yeah. to get into. It took a little longer versus the ones that were very like supported mentally uh, yeah. and a little, a little financially, but it's more like mentally. Like yeah, the parents yeah. were like, this is a thing, Yeah, you know? 
So mm-hmm. I, I thank my mom to this day for that, because if it weren't for her, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. I mean, that's, that's kind of, again, the, the focus of this, this podcast is like, what does it take? You know, like what, what is the things that, that helps people get through the hard times, the muck of it mm-hmm. all, the questions, the self-doubt and things like that. And I find that honestly, um, you know, like you said, that, that, that backup, you know, my, my parents told me they owned a small business. They still do, um, that you can do anything, you know, like that's the thing is whatever you want, figure out how you can make money at it and do it. And that was just always something. So if you don't have somebody in your head that has told you that no matter what you want to do, just figure out how to make money at it and do it. There's all these different questions. There's all these different roadblocks. If you have somebody just, just even slight as somebody to be like, how the hell are you going to make money at that? That in itself is enough to just crush a dream. Yeah. I'm getting that now. Surprisingly, (laughs) my mom. Oh yeah. You will with tattooing. (laughs) 100%. And it's very interesting because, uh, I talked to two shops, uh, this week and I I told you before this, that one of them, she had a background in animation years ago. She worked Mm -hmm. in uh, Warner brothers in the nineties. And she told me that, uh, a lot of people, uh, including people in her field were like, dude, like that's like a step down in your uh, art career. Like, what are you doing? Um, And I think it is because uh, like, just because you have to get a college degree for something. And then also Hollywood too, like everything is like super glorified because it's like, there's such a, like, it makes it sound like it's so competitive to get into and everything. Um, But really there's so much corporate backing too. Like there's all that investment. Yeah. And I feel like there's a comfort with parents when they see that, like, oh, there's a 401k, you know, like, yeah, like you, you get paid time off and you, there's those things are positioned for you within a corporate environment. Whereas in tattooing, you have to do those things for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess, I guess perceptively it would be a step down, but really for me, it's, um, it's been the stepping up to who I am. And, and really putting to test everything that I think of myself and putting it into practice. And it's like walking into a fear that is like none other because, you know, I can't blame anyone. I can't, I can't tell anybody I didn't succeed because you didn't do this or you didn't do that. Or Bob in accounting was a dick, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like I can't Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and he screwed me and whatever. I can't blame anyone. Um, so in order for me to do this profession and, and, and it's gone through its own, you know, uh, phase in that, you know, I had my apprenticeship, then I worked under somebody now I'm my own entity and I'm trying to figure out what's next, you know, so it doesn't end, you know, no. but, but I do think it's stepping up to who you are and what yeah. you can be on your own. And, and that's what I heard about you. And when, when I, started talking to you on Facebook was that you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm really just trying to be more independent, you know, like, and that's, that's exactly it. You know, like, yeah, amazing thing. It's scary because like, not only, um, I mean, I have, uh, I'm lucky that I've found and not only the artists that I went to as a client, but I have, um, people, uh, like, uh, my last most previous show that I worked on, um, disenchantment for Netflix. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I had a coworker on that show. He was a character designer and he's a shop owner also, uh, a tattoo shop owner. And he's phenomenal. Like he's a, um, he does a black and gray realism. Nice. And it's really, really good. He, um, my man actually like has a whole sleeve done by him. Cause I was like, dude, you should go to him. He's really good. And at work, I would always like talk to him and he would, he would tell me, he'd be like, he'd be like, tattooing is where it's at, man. You feel so much better and so much more fulfilled because it's like your art on somebody or like, or at least like your, your, I guess more of you on someone than you are in, uh, animation. Like he would yeah. kind of compare it for me and everything because I told him, I already, like before tattooing, I was already not happy. I was like, yeah. I love animation and I love what we create, but I feel like a cog in a machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also s- noticed artists are very, like, we're not um, ever own. credited. <laughs> we're very, <laughs> like, not, like, uh, so uh, here's uh, here's an example. At Comic-Con, uh-huh. the only people that ever got invited to Comic-Con were the writers oh. and the the voice actors. And the lead, like the directors, the story, the storyboard. So like all the leads, huh. all of the artists, like the character designers, the background designers, the painters, the, we never got uh, tickets to Comic-Con and any big event or whatever, or panel or whatever, it was never the designers um, wow. or yeah, all of us, we never got like clout. It was, we had to basically like sell ourselves on social media, like, and like, that's the kind of how I started getting traction on social media is because I did work for a big show and I got, you know, which I'm grateful for. Like I got my name out there because of the show, but like on the show end or whatever, you're not really, um, you're very, I felt replaceable all the time. Yeah. And that's a very sad, depressing, scary feeling. Yeah. And, uh, I was also depressed as a human being because as an artist, we're not supposed to be in a building with, especially with no sunlight right? in a building and exactly. a dark freaking building nine, what ten, uh, eight to 10 hours a day, sometimes mm-hmm. more uh, every single day. And we only get two days off. Like that's ridiculous. And mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me. And I just questioned life as in general. Yeah. And I would come home every day and I'd be like, mom, uh, or to my dad, I call my dad, Bob. It's really funny. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, I'm half Iraqi. Right on. So my dad is, a uh, uh, my dad is Iraqi and, uh, we call them Baba. Uh, like that's, that's how you say dad, but Aww. we were like that. We're too cool for that. So we ended up calling him Bob at some point when, you know, it. in our childhood. So we just call him Bob, but I'd be like, mom, Bob, like, I'm not happy. I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, that's just how life is. Like, you get a full-time job and that's it. And I'm like, that's what life is. What? <laughs> like, I am so, I, re- I reject this proposal. <laughs> I didn't. That's kind of where I started having my awakening. I was mm-hmm. like, what world are we living in? And then like, it just baffled me that my, like our, the older generation, the generation for us, like it, it's like, and so it is. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that's how they live their lives. So I'm definitely that child. Uh, in my family that is challenging all belief systems because I like, I, it didn't, I, it doesn't drive well with me. I'm like super depressed uh, all the time when I work full time. And then there's been times when I've had to like work full time and then freelance at home. So it was like a, I don't know, 24 seven, you know, like work week. 
uh, all I was working all the time and I was like, this is stupid. Like I want to kill myself. I had many times where I was like, I don't want to do this. And, um, I wanted to still do something fulfilling. Like, I don't want to always make it about the money, but obviously we have to like make, we also have to make something about the money to some extent because we need to live our lives, you know? So I thought like, why can't I do something else that's going to bring me in just as much money, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know. I started uh, like kind of extending my um, art skills into many different things. Uh, I stopped drawing for a time period too, because I was just drawing at work and it was like making me not like to draw anymore. Mm-hmm. which is terrible. It's sad. It's, it's terrible. Really terrible. Yeah, it's bad when and you the, feel that way. Yeah. And the best artists that I see in the industry, all they have to show are the, is the art that they did for the shows. And then I like, you lose sight as to what kind of artists you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I don't even know what half of these people, what they, what their natural drawing style is or what their uh, drawing skills were before they got that job or what yeah. they're capable of doing. Especially mm-hmm. if you're working on shows that like this style is not, you know, crazy, you know, it's just like very simple. Yeah. So, I mean, simple as, as I'm, don't get me wrong. It is also really hard. <laughs> no, it <laughs> is. It's like, I w- I'm curious as to what else you like to draw and what your real skills are uh, yeah. or what, even what your portfolio coming out of college looked like. It must've been amazing. And then you just lose sight of that. So I actually started doing, you seen that um, I started getting into dance mm-hmm. uh, because my body was like, I need something fulfilling for my body. Um, and then also I always struggled with like, I had an eating disorder and like body image issues until I like got a trainer and learned how to lose weight and then, uh, uh, like the proper way and Mm -hmm. work out and eat correctly. And that kind of like, I don't know, it made uh, a lot of my life uh, feel a lot better and see myself differently, which it does help you as an artist. Cause then everything like works in tandem with another, the mind, body, the spirit, mm-hmm. you know? So that fulfilled me uh, in that sense. And then I had like a nice community outside of work, uh, which is also very like artistic, like dancers are amazing. They also have their like similar kind of battles mm-hmm. um, as just drawing artists do. Cause they're all artists just of the body, yeah. you know? Some exciting news, diary listeners. We actually got a wonderful promotional code from Reinventing the Tattoo recently, and we're happy to share this with you. It's 10% off on a subscription to Reinventing the Tattoo. And if you don't know about this wonderful, wonderful service, it's continuing education for working professionals, very geared around tattooers. But I would venture to say that if you are looking to improve your art skills and have regular momentum to your creation, creativity and to your own professional education, I can't recommend it enough. One of the prime people that you will be critiqued by and helped with and draw with and all of that good stuff is Guy Atchison. And if you don't know about him, you probably should. He is a very, very pivotal person in our industry. I joined them for for one exercise. I, I did a color study. 
I mean, Rico sat there and, and watched me the other night do mm -hmm. a, a color study exercise with Guy and company, and it was amazing. I was flexing all kinds of muscles. It's just all around if you want to improve your art skills. I can't see a better way than hanging out with a lot of professional artists and seeing the kind of work that they do and the kind of exercises they work on all the time. It's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. So again, that's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. And that's gonna save you 10% on your subscription. Go check it out, folks. kind of plugs plugs into your um, performance arts too which I'm sure you were able to integrate all these things because you know you went from performance arts which is you know there's storyboards and there's all this you know emotion and emoting and using you know your body to express whatever character you're taking on yeah and, and all those kind of drills then you go into animation where you're actually exploring it through you know um, doing the artwork where you're you're carrying these characters on that kind of level and then you go into dance where it's kind of like you know recognizing it for yourself but doing it in a non-verbal way where you get to commune with music your body you know all of those things so it, yeah. I see the connection between all of them it's really really cool yeah. Um, uh, and then I guess it does tie back into my childhood because I yeah. did always love to like role play as something beyond myself and it really does help when you're a person that struggles at something in your own life. So like, for example, um, I struggle a lot with, uh, owning my anger. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not an angry person. And, uh, I've like, I always feel shame when I get angry. Like I'm not supposed to, this is a very heavy female thing too. Like yeah. women were, uh, taught that we have to be people pleasers. So being angry, like the emotion anger is not okay for women. Yeah. Um, it's a very like, shame on you kind of trait to have. And in dance, I noticed I always gravitated towards like the choreography that was filled with a lot of angst and like mm -hmm. rage. Uh, and I loved it. It felt empowering. So yeah. it's, it helped me embrace uh, parts of myself and emotions that I couldn't normally embrace as a, as a person. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it also, of course, it boosts your confidence, which is good for any kind of social, um, interactions uh, and how you present yourself to the world so and I guess from there I got into a lot of uh, from all of this I got heavily into mental health and I started just like researching it for fun because I started learning like how I am as a person uh and why I am as a, a, like this person today and what caused all of the like my setbacks and my blocks and uh, I just learned that uh, overall, all of us are children living in adult bodies and we've never healed. Mm -hmm. And we're like society as a whole is functioning uh, on that baseline. Mm -hmm. We're all just filled with trauma and we're all functioning with trauma. And we're not even like coming from a place of love for most of the time. It's most, most of the time it's fear of being rejected, disowned, um, you know, and then we the people pleasing continues and stuff to the point where we just hurt ourselves in the end. So I kind of was kind of like asking the universe, like, Hey, is there something that I can do where I can like spread more mental health awareness in the world, but also incorporate my art skills. 
Um, and I also wanted to like connect, like one big thing that I've been writing the past few years in my journals is I want to connect with humans more because it not only helps me connect with me more, but it helps the collective as well. And I feel like that's what we're all bound to do on this planet. We're all supposed to connect because we're all one, you know? Yeah, exactly. And what, even if you don't believe that, like you can't help but see it. Like yeah. we're, especially nowadays, it's so prevalent. We're seeing it like, it's like, you know, flashing in our eyes. We're like, yo, this is what's happening because we're not taking care of this, yeah. you know? And, uh, so tattooing kept being presented to me in the weirdest of ways, not only through like when I would go get a tattoo myself, mm-hmm. I would have, um, like have conversations with them. Um, the very first tattoo artist that I had, um, she praised my artwork and she was like, Oh man, I wish I had your skills. She's like, cause I like, I don't know how to like, I trace a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she was like, I wish I could just draw and then, you know, put it on the skin. She did know how to draw it. Was just, she just felt like it wasn't like, you know, um, super technical and like she couldn't, she felt like she couldn't just draw anything. Right. Uh, which I had been there before too in my life. Like I used to only be able to just draw like girls for a while, everything else kind of like I struggled with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then as I started to go more to tattoo artists, like I was able to like have a conversation with them about art. And, uh, I also saw like more and more really phenomenal tattoo artists where they had their own style Mm-hmm. and they had their own kind of like art background or they've been drawing for years and everything. And I was like, Oh, this is super cool and interesting. Natalie Hall. I loved her because, uh, she also kind of has a little background in the animation and, uh, a little bit of the movie industry too. She worked on the movie, the shape of water. Oh, cool. Um, really? Uh, there was that, I don't know if you watched the movie. There was a part where like, there's an artist in the movie that draws. Uh-huh. And that the drawings were hers. Oh, rad. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's been a while. Ex- I'll have to watch it again. But yeah, yeah. I'll have to watch oh, it. That's so cool. Me, that movie had me in tears. That one was super <laughs> yes, emotional. It was. That's, that was one thing about stories where like, if I'm crying, that's a good story. Yeah. But I, for some reason, I was, that's my judging uh, basis on how good something is. If I'm super, like if I'm in tears, they did a good job because they like invoked something in, in me that's going to like carry for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. So I guess it just kept being brought up. And then I even had a roommate at some point um, when I was starting to learn. Uh, I just moved out and she was my first roommate. And she was it's funny because she's a she was actually um, she was a dog trainer for a living. And then she was also like a it was a quiet thing. She didn't tell too many people, but she was also like a psychic medium. Oh, cool. So I kind of like. Makes sense in the dog world, you know, like, you know, kind kind of of training, feeling things. Yeah. Oh yes. You know, it definitely, it definitely helped her. And I could see like, she's really good at, uh, she's a very strong empath. Like she reads energies very, very well. Uh, and dogs is the same thing with like, like when I got my first dog, uh, Uh, like learning about the dog mind is very similar to humans and it's Mm -hmm. kind of sad in a sense because we like enslave dogs basically yeah Yeah. (laughs) so but that's a whole other topic um but she always jokingly said because she loved my art she was like a huge fan of my art and she was like one day girl I'm gonna manifest that you're gonna be a tattoo artist and you're gonna give me all these tattoos for me and like it, at first I felt like, okay, you're just saying that because you want me to do tattoos for you and everything or draw stuff for you, you know? Right. Uh, 
and you just want free tattoos. <laughs> and then, uh, cause when people start to like manifest, not manifest, when they start to like suggest things for me that I'm, I don't jive with, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cute, but no, not really. That's not my thing. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, I think I was just always turned off to it because I was scared of the permanence and like, um, like having my art on somebody's body because I didn't respect my art at that time. Mm-hmm. I was in the very like torture, like in, in animation, I was always like feeling replaceable. So I didn't value my art as much. I always right. felt like my art could have been way better and it sucked until I started taking a step back in the animation field uh, with designing. And I started drawing on my own, uh, my own time. And I got so many people saying, your art is so amazing. Like, what the heck? You draw? And I'm like, oh, God. You realize that you've been in a bubble for a while because, like like you said, art school and everything like that, when you're only surrounded by your own peers, the only thing you have to do is compare yourself to them. And if there is a star or something, but, you know... um, I know I, I had that moment in college where I walked out and we were doing a, some project and in, in it was something, it was a community project where we went to a school and um, we had to like do this thing for the school. They were going to line the school with our paintings, but we wanted to do something that was community relevant. And um, these kids like flipped through my sketchbook and it was like off, like, like they were the most loose sketches you could ever think of. Like really, really like not, descript at all and any any one of my like I I would feel like I'd have to explain them you know people like they were there for me to like reference and stuff but these kids were flipping through it and they they could see what I was doing and they were like oh my god look at this this is so cool and they were like breaking it down and I was like wow you know like most people most people are amazed by what I do you know like that that was when I kind of was like Oh, you know, like for these kids, they don't need, they don't need this polished thing to be amazing no. by me. They, they think this is amazing. Yeah. And so when you do, when you go out and you commune with other people too, you get that, you get that validation of yourself as well. And where you really fit in the grand scheme of things. Cause then you realize how rare actually what, what you've been in has been like, you know, the, the atmosphere you're, you're in this drill zone of like, you know, just singular thought where like you're around all these people that are obsessing and critiquing and all this stuff, just more, 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 better, better, better. And, and you don't stop. And like, show somebody outside that paradigm, any of it for them to be like, whoa, whoa, so great. But yeah, Yeah, that's where, that's where a lot of the self-work comes Mm -hmm. in. Uh, I didn't start like waking up to all of these paradigms until I started diving into mental health. And then I started asking myself questions like, because what got me, uh, like when I pulled myself out of the bubble, I asked myself, I was like, why am I trying to prove myself to people who are completely, uh, what is it? Uh, Cause art is subjective, you know? Yeah. So just because this one person doesn't think I'm good enough, doesn't even know who I am and they don't like my stuff doesn't mean anything. I suck as an artist. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. It took me a, a while to like, ingrain that because a lot of times in this field or in any, and with any job, with rejection, people take it to heart and they're like, wow, I'm a piece of crap. I can't do anything right. Or, um, I don't know. They just, they make it mean something. Whereas 
you don't realize you're something for someone, even in the dating world. Like, why am I so focused on gaining, you know, the approval of this one person who doesn't even like care just as much, you know, about, they're not even thinking these thoughts, you know, about me. They're not even thinking on this level. They're just like, oh, great. Like, you know, I, I, I get some uh, sex for, you know, yeah. easy sex, you know, like that was a lot of my, like yeah. my dating life and stuff. It was, I felt like oh, used yeah. a lot in relationships. So I was like, well, there's all, there's so many, I don't know. There's so many views around the world. The one, the one view that matters, the one opinion that matters is yours. Yeah. Like if it's making you happy. Uh, and I know that's hard to say because sometimes people, you know, artists, they need validation. You know, and they also need, uh, like, we all need money too. So we also need to know that we're like, we have something to sell. So it does help. I've always like told other artists, it helps to find people who are just like you and who are also like, who or or who used to be like you and who are doing, who are successful now. So it helps to meet other tattoo artists, um, including the one that I worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps to meet people like that and see how successful they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so why can't I do it? And then I've even met like, or someone like my sister, uh, she's, she doesn't even have an art background and she does a little tiny, she does the type of walk-in tattoos that yeah. we were like talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. She does a lot of those. She makes a crap ton of money. Like she That's charges awesome. a lot. And yeah. I always think like, like just as just just me as an artist, and also I'm just very picky of like with what I put on my body. I'm like, wow, people will pay that much for that. Like that's insane. Like I don't want to get into the money aspect too much because I know like I don't like people always say don't get into it and you know for the money. It's just an aspect of it. I would like to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like you can't deny that. I don't like when right. people are like do it because like you love it not for the money. It's like no, do it for both because you got to make a living and you also got to know your worth. You, go, you well, know, there's that, but as, as long as the money, I find that the, the line for me is integrity. As long yes. as, as long as it doesn't leverage my integrity, yes. that's fine. If it, if it asks me to do something that I don't feel good about, then it, that there's not enough money in the world. Like I, exactly. I won't do it. So yeah, exactly. that, that's the thing, but we, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I wish I could, I wish that I could just make art all day and not have to, you know, pay to eat and, you know, house myself. And so I wish, you know, like that would be great. If, if there's anybody out there that wants to sponsor either of us and just like put us (laughs) up to just all day, every day, just to do what we do. I'm here for it, man. You want to pay my way? Like I'm, I'm cool. (laughs) Yeah. You don't get to tell me what to do. You just let me do what I do. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's my, that's my goal at the end of the day. And like, I like that you brought up integrity because that's actually why I'm, uh, even cause, uh, I keep hearing that like from some people, Oh, you don't need an apprenticeship. Like you're good. You can just like teach yourself a little bit and then, you know, you'll be fine. But I'm at a place right now where like, I, I have the integrity where I'm like, no, I can, I have a standard for my art. Uh, and I see that it's not, I'm not, I don't expect perfection, uh, for myself at all with anything new that I'm doing. And I see that I like have ways to go with certain things that I need to learn. And I have, where I have integrity is I'm not going to charge someone money, uh, putting something on their body that I personally don't feel is like good yet. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm completely like, oh, it's horrible. Like I'm like, there's works that I'm proud of, like, but I'm like, oh, I see technical errors that I want to master uh, before I start feeling like, okay, I can charge this much, you know, for a piece or whatever. And I feel worth it. I don't feel like I'm screwing someone over because I, as a client, I have been screwed by a few people in this industry as well. I've been to all like different kinds of artists. Like I've been to artists that charge by the hour. I've been to artists that charge by the piece. And then I went to an artist that like charged by the day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I couldn't tell like the, the one that charged by the day, a part of me felt kind of like, oh man, is he actually like doing his work? Like, is he pacing himself correctly? And is he actually doing the best that he can? Or is he kind of taking advantage a little bit of the the money yeah. aspect and everything? Because it was really expensive mm-hmm. and he wasn't a fast tattoo artist. Right. And he like also kind of was late to his appointment and everything. And he didn't work the full day. So I was just like, all right, like, those are scenarios as a client where I'm like, I don't want to put my clients in that position where they feel like they're being, they have to like ask themselves, am I just being ripped off? I don't want to be that person. Yeah. You know, um, I want to like put out really good quality work and they're going to be like, yeah, I think you'll find that like going back to like your idea of apprenticeship, the, the things that you pick up in a shop environment are a lot of those kind of things, like being able to watch other people and how they interact with their clients, what they do, what they don't do, why they do it. Um, you know, that kind of client relationship is kind of um, what you'll what you'll see, and like a community ethics. Um, you know, just 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 a, a general scope of like the whole thing. That, I mean, of course, the more shops you work at the more that you'll see those kind of things because everybody has a different thing. But I too have, I've, I've met people, I've tried doing the the full day, half day. It didn't work for me. It didn't feel, it mostly didn't feel right. Mostly for my client um, because I thought about what it is to get tattooed. And I've also noticed that different days I have different, you know, energy in the tank. I might really be looking forward to getting tattooed, but my body's not in alignment with it. And yeah, yeah, I might want to sit for a full day and maybe I blocked a full day, but if my body's saying, bitch, you only got four hours in you. Well, then I just squandered a lot of money for something that I wasn't able to predict. And I started thinking about my clients in that way. And I'm like, I don't want to charge them for something that they can't predict, you know, cause you, yeah. you know, if you're booking months in advance, you, you, you don't know what your, what your day is going to be like. I mean, your, your, your cat could die the day before and like, you know, like shit can happen that, you know, when it's that far in the future and it just didn't feel uh, kind to me to, to charge them for that. Um, so now I do hourly and for me, that feels okay. Just simply because I can raise the rate, whatever way I want to, you know, that, that can be something that I do. Um, if I want to make more money or if I feel like I'm worth more or if I, or if I know that I have to, because, you know, shit's gone up, everything, you know, prices raise all that kind of stuff. Those things are easily talked about. And, And like you said, when it comes to sales of any kind and making money, when it comes to people, they, they want transparency. They want to know that the value's there, like they're not being duped. Um, so if you can, you can think always about how to ensure those things, but being around a shop environment and seeing how other people do it and how they organize it and just watching them teaches so much, you know, like you can 
pick and choose what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And that's, that's the other benefit of having like a studio environment is everybody kind of does their own thing, but you can kind of plot out within that what's right for you. Yeah. Um, so it's good. It's good. That I've you been want asking that. the, the like shop owners, um, uh, about their, their shop, like culture pretty much. And mm-hmm. like from the one that, um, uh, I'm going, I'm going to be apprenticing at, he was talking about his experience, how like he, he worked at several shops and he saw what he liked and what he didn't like as far as the culture went. Mm-hmm. And he put that into his own shop and like curated it in a way where he got what he wanted out of the shop and everything. So yeah. like, he was like, okay, like take that with you. Uh, and that makes sense too. I can like kind of translate that to um, into the, even the animation world where like you run a show or you you're on different shows as an artist. And then when you finally are like a creator of a Mm -hmm. show, you have a uh, better idea of how you want to run the show because you saw that this thing didn't work and this thing didn't work. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. And then there's there's some people, which I feel like this is what I kind of want to do at some point down the line. They get their own little private studio Mm -hmm. and that's it. And that's just their, they're like, they don't work at a shop or anything. They just have a little private studio and that's it. That might be a good um, route for you ultimately. Um, Just because there is a lot more, there's a, for what you're saying that you want to do, which is very um, connecting with the person and very mental health awareness kind of thing. I see that more because the problem with the shop vibe is that you take in the shop vibe and it's, it's, it's about being a part of that shop shop culture. And it kind of, with all the tattoo clients that I've talked to who've gotten tattooed in those realms, they say, you know, I like it because, you know, you're, you're part of this cool, like cool kids club. Like you're, you're there, you're part of it. It's really neat. But there's this disconnect between you and your artists because they're kind of communing with the shop and you, and you're, you're only focused on getting your tattoo, like really at the end of the day. And when it starts to really hurt, it feels like the person's not there for you. Whereas when they're one-on-one and you're one-on-one, it's so much nicer for you and your client and so much kinder on them because they can feel more at ease about like, either, either being naked or, you know, um, being vulnerable or having a lot of pain or feeling like they need to give up for the day or, or any of those things. It's just a lot easier for them to, to really gauge those things. And also they don't have to deal with all the bombardment of the whole studio as yeah. they're digesting the conversations, the, the mm-hmm. walk-ins and everything. Like, cause yeah. I, I got tatted recently at a shop yeah. that was on a strip where there's like literally a ton of bars around. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and Oh my God. And it was on a Saturday. Right. So, and I was there the whole day because he booked me for that day and, uh, he kept the shop open and he kept getting interrupted, uh, while he was working on me constantly by people that he wasn't going to work on. They came right. in and he had to like, be like, Oh yeah, book an appointment, blah, blah, blah. He still had to explain the, like, you know, advertise and everything, right. even though he couldn't take them. But it was very like stop and go in the conversations and everything. And then every, and then at some hours you get the drunks and everything. And, uh, it's just, you're just like, what's going on? You know, um, it's good though to see that though. Like I, 
I'm happy for the times that I spent in more of a walk-in environment, um, just simply because I know I did it. And then it, it kind of helps the imposter syndrome a little bit when you are sitting solo inside of a place and you're like, did I really earn this? Like, should I, am I really cool enough to be doing this by myself? (laughs) Community is everything. Yes. And I've noticed like with everything that I do community, because community is validating and it's Mm -hmm. support. So yeah. with everything that I do, um, I've always had a family in anything. So like, especially with dance, like I've had the most beautiful connections with people in dance and yeah. I thrived and I thoroughly enjoyed going to classes all the time and just being around others. Uh, it was great. Uh, animation in the beginning, it was okay. But at, at some point I stopped making friends in animation because it was just ma- easier with the politics side. I Mm -hmm. like wanted to be taken seriously and have people judge me less for who I am. So I started becoming more like, like I'll be friendly, but I'm like, uh, uh, I'm at the studio. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to come to work, work and leave because like, I'm going to show you that I'm serious. Uh, and, uh, I, I don't know. I just, that was just a traumatizing world. And it actually did better for me because like the more, the less emotional investment I had in my jobs, the easier it felt when there were any rejections or any issues or something like that. I didn't take it personally. Yeah, I took it on a professional level. I'm like, oh, okay, this person's stressed out and they just need to get their job done. It has nothing to do with me. They like, right. don't hate me, you know, like, right. so it, it was easier in that sense. But everything <laughs> else that I do, like I, I want to have emotional investment and everything. So I do want to have a, like, that's why I am getting the uh, apprenticeship. Cause well, I was I like, will, okay. I will say that, um, I feel like, I feel like I've done multiple levels of that. I've always kind of been authentic to myself in terms of presenting myself with people, because it's not that I would necessarily get into those things um, because I wanted to, but I, as far as my coworkers, a lot of them would ask me things about certain comments that I would make with my clients and they'd want to dive deeper. So I would, and I'd be honest about that. As streamlined as you try to be like, uh, I know that I'm the type of person who just wants that kind of connection. So however much I, um, have tried to, to do that, like turn off or just get back to work. It's not, it's not really, it's not really how I function. You know, like I, I get a lot of my inspiration from other people and exactly. Yeah. That cannot, it really can't be turned off. Like the whole, the whole, like, and you're, and this is where I can kind of correlate because I did hair before I did this. And it is a constant performance. Like you have to show up, you have to be, you know, on for a person. You do have to kind of push aside a lot of the personal kind of bullshit and be like, they're not mad at me. They're stressed out about their hair, all of that kind of stuff. But there's this performance that you do that you kind of, um, you know, you have to be willing to stand there and be the professional in that space and, and all of that good stuff. And you have to measure like, having so so many clients and be kind of reactionary towards the day. And when it comes down to like, um, you know, this like pre-fight hype kind of thing, like you kind of go into it like that, but the, but the art has kind of fused because, um, 
now my art is kind of in, in Congress with this performance where I'm having conversations as I'm doing my art, as I'm meeting this person, as we're having this really cool moment together and kind of healing each other, because we're in this space where we're able to just take a break. All the rest of the world stops. The phone's down, can't be picked up at least by me. They get to play on their phone if they want to and have a moment to just do one thing if they want to, which is really great. And we get this really special space where we're both atoning and and invoking who we are together. So that's why I think, uh, as, as your friend said, that tattoos are really where it's at when it comes to being an artist, because it's like the ultimate performance. It's the mm-hmm. ultimate communion with another person, because not only are you permanently doing something on them that really means something to them, but also you're, you're meeting them, you know, you're sharing their, their pain, their anxieties, everything they're taking on your concepts of things. Like it's a really cool space where I feel like you can talk about anything really. Um, yeah, I will say that on, on the shop level though, um, I, it's so intimate, you know, like it's so intimate and so many artists are so like odd with how they have to have their creative space, you know, like, I don't want to say odd, but like varied. And so it's hard to combine a bunch of artists together because they all have their own thing. And then they all have their own clients and they all have like, if they all have their own rooms, but you can all still hear each other, that can be a whole thing. So it's like, it's really hard to like maintain that professional air, especially too, when, as you said, if you're on a main strip and you're getting drunks coming in and you're juggling a million different things, it's really, it's, it's hard to, um, uh, I, I guess make everybody feel comforted and safe in those kind of communal environments where I, I just could, I couldn't do it. I mean, honest, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I, for me, for me, I, I can talk about anything, but I don't take it personally just because with it, like the hair world and everything, you, you just don't, you don't do that yeah. in service. You just don't. So uh, for me, I could talk about anything, but what I didn't understand is that the more that I would talk or share who I was really the more I made everybody freak the fuck out. Like they were like, who is this person and what are they going to do? And like, I don't know what I did because all I ever do do is just art. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I'm not a really ostentatious person. I do a little few wacky things. Like I nude model on the side, you know, when I feel like, you know, I want to, and yeah. I put that online for everybody to see. Cause I don't care. Um, Cause like you, I, I figured, you know, if, 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 um, you know, there's all these proclivities in the world, I can't, I can't just think about this ideal version of a woman. I got to own the body I have. I got to own the person that I am. And it was about validating that for me. And it was also about also branching out into other art forms where I'm thinking about my body in terms of putting tattoos on a person and what mm-hmm. they would want to evoke with this image and thinking about it in a, in a very like removed way of like, okay, if this person was going on a photo shoot, how would this tattoo look? How would this move on their body? Would it make them feel sexier? Would it make them feel, you know, derpier? Does it work with their whole 
view. Those another kind of things. Thing, yeah. Another thing for nude models too. Uh, if you're an artist and you do nude modeling, you actually are like better at posing because yeah. as you know, on the drawing side, uh, how you'd want to see the, mm -hmm. the model posing because you have a, an understanding of silhouettes and yep. um, like lines and everything and like dynamic movement and such uh, and poses Yep. Uh, so that's also another plus for, um, like th I, that's what I kind of got out of dance too. Mm -hmm. Um, because in dance, it's also like a lot of posing. There's a lot of silhouettes that you have to think of. Yeah. Like, uh, there's parts. What of are my hands doing? <laughs> yeah. Your hands are very specific. Uh, your feet, like in ballet, like your bat, your leg lines are everything. Yeah. And, uh, I, knew what to look for in the mirror or in my recordings because I know what I'm looking for when I draw. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've drawn dancers before for fun, uh, like for uh, anatomy drawing practice mm -hmm. um, or even like yoga poses. It's all the same thing, but you just get those dynamic silhouettes and everything. So it was kind of cool to translate back and forth. I even at one point, because I do pull not just regular That's dancing, awesome. which is also, I kind of also went through my journey of, uh, mm -hmm. embracing who I am as a woman. So I did yeah. go through the whole like exotic realm mm -hmm. and I'm out of it now. I'm kind of like, I'm like, okay, it, it served its time period, but now yeah. I'm like a little bit more like conservative with like how I carry myself. I don't like, but that's fine. That's just me. Um, Ditto. cause I just, I want to present myself to the world in a certain way. Uh, it felt I, very, I don't know if you felt the same way, but it felt very superficial to me. Like everything yes. that I would try felt more and more like I was being used than it was empowering when I went that route. It was like a mixture because you get yeah. people that truly look at you and admire you and go, wow, you're very empowering and you're very inspirational. I've had a lot of people like that, especially with uh, amongst my peers in animation, because we're all awkward yeah. introverts. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of people that either admired it the whole thing and they're like wow that like that's super um it's hard to like wear your confidence like that you know and then I had the other side where it was very judgmental I had the catty people who judged me for it and uh and then on in on social media every I got a lot of those um like people that would drop onto my page just to leave like really inappropriate comments and I got, yeah, I started getting really sick and tired of the comments, um, or even just in general, uh, out in real life, like when you just get picked up on in public, but in a very rude way, not in a, mm -hmm. like, Oh, you're very beautiful. And then that's it. It was just yeah. like a very like, Oh, you're hot. Like, let me take you home. And like, you know, like they have this entitlement over you. And I just got really tired of that. And I was like, no, like, you don't know me, like go away. <laughs> Yeah. So it had its phase and I was young uh, and I was very masculine as like growing up uh, mm -hmm. and, and like almost all my life, uh, my teen years. And so it helps me embrace my feminine side and my sexuality, which right. is important for art. Yeah, um, uh, it actually stems from the same, if we go into like that whole realm, it stems from the same chakra, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's all from the sacral. Yeah. So it helps me in more ways than one. That wraps up part one. I'm happy to report that no one died. <laughs> and uh, and it's wonderful because next week we're going to have part two with Sabrina Bhatti. So be sure to come back and uh, catch us as we continue to tell her tale. Thank you, diary listeners. 
Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our listeners. listeners.